Podcasting from Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. This is connecting your community, building community through unity. Through unity. Getting things done takes activism, and Blaine Higgin and Mallory Chris Jansen have come together to share firsthand community voices, bringing awareness to community issues, watching how other communities handle like problems, and sharing their successes. Connecting, connecting your community. Here are your hosts, Blaine Higgin and Mallory Chris Jansen. Mallory, here we are. are. It is New Year. And how exciting is this? It is, you know one of the most exciting things of the New Year? Team Canada. Team Canada. (laughs) They rock. They rock. Pull off this win and in the gold medal game now. Yes. How exciting is that, right? Go Canada. Yeah. No, that's super exciting, right? So happy New Year, you guys. Yes, happy New Year. Today is today's a really special day for us, Blaine, and we are hosting someone who I believe, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but I believe is someone who's an expert in the field of FASD, someone who has overcame addiction, someone who's overcame homelessness, someone who has a story that I don't believe we share enough right. for to raise that awareness about individuals who have recovered, who are mm-hmm. now giving back to the street population right now. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm so honored if you can introduce yourself and tell the viewers who you are. My name is Vin White Buffalo. Um, Yes, I'm a former street person and a former addict as well. Um, That was many years ago. I've since uh, pulled myself out of those runes with the help of the community at large. Uh, I've since then been successful in uh, living like everybody else. And I now contribute my time by going back to the streets and uh, giving what I can back to those people and showing them that there is hope and there is a way for them to end their plights and become working members of society. Yes. And you are a That's shining example of that. So can, how did you guys meet, yes, Mallory? Yes, great question. <laughs> Absolutely great question. Do you want to share how we met? Well, yes, um, I work for AWARE uh, and that's an organiza- organization through Arches. Um, and we were out, uh, we're street teams and we go out through the community and we mm-hmm. just hand out um, just little food items and, and, and we give advice and, and we lend an ear to those out on the streets. And we were at the provincial building downtown and I believe we were uh, speaking with a young woman at the time and I saw Valerie come up and she was giving another individual a ride right. uh, to the building and we just sort of crossed paths and she said hi and I said hi. That's weird for Mallory to do that, right? <laughs> right. 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 And yeah. so we just had a brief interaction then and mm-hmm. she told me what she does and I told her what we were doing yeah. and, and obviously she was there to see what we were doing and uh, she was interested. And uh, asked me if I if I would be open to perhaps joining you guys on this podcast, which brings us here today. Yes, That's and it's fantastic. beautiful. Um, what I just want to say too is that I think maybe we've we also had some misconceptions about each other and the work that we did, right? Because yes. you know a lot of people, and, and just to be short, is a lot of people think that oh, she's someone that's anti-harm reduction or whatever the case is when, you know, again, I'm here to advocate for a four-pillar model. And for yourself, you've had a lot of also even your own misconceptions because you are seen downtown pushing a wagon with human basic needs and resources and referrals, whereas some people believe that you're actually handing out needles Yes. We've had to have those questions, actually. And that's exactly right, that the person, the person that is down in Galt Gardens and in the areas is is passing out needles. That's that's pulling a wagon or or 
And, and right. that's absolutely not yeah. true in hearing that. And so it's, it's, can you speak a little bit to that? Right, yeah, that would be a myth. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is complete myth. Yeah. Um, get it out of your heads. That's not yeah. what we do. Yeah. Um, we are against handing out needles. That to us is enabling. Uh, and as former street people and homeless people ourselves, uh, we know that we didn't get to where we are today by being enabled. Right. Uh, to continue uh, in our addictions and our habits that brought us to homelessness. Um, we understand that there may be organizations that think they're doing the community a service by handing out needles and whatnot, but we are not one of them. Um, we, in the winter times, will hand out gloves, we'll hand out toques, um, we'll where give do, out... Just uh, to, on that, sorry to interrupt, no where, where do you, so where do these toques and these gloves and stuff come from? Where do you we, find the supplies to be able to hand we out? We have a budget. Yeah, okay. we have a budget and we've always got a few thousand dollars in our budget and so that enables us to go out to, to Walmart. That. Uh, to buy to buy what we see uh, the street people need and and, and right. I think that's just right. it too We have our ears to the ground. We we have a very uh, we have a good understanding of, of what they need uh, During the right. summers and being winters. that you've been through this yourself right. as well, right? right. And, and they so. also tell us what they need to right you know, if it's a cold day Absolutely. and they're like where are the gloves? You know well, we need to go buy gloves and so yes. our next walk will bring our gloves out and So while we're on that topic, can we invite people to provide you guys donations like if they're like hey guess what? Exactly we I was just went through that, all of our yeah. winter wear. Can we give it to someone? We have people Absolutely. looking constantly. Yeah, no. I mean, if if, if you have do anything, any donations and whatnot, by all means, come down to to uh, Arches. Mm -hmm. um, bring up a wear. We definitely take donations in. Uh, we go through our supplies just so fast. I mean, you would I not bet. believe how fast yes. we go through our supplies. Yeah. And so we're always open for donations. Right, right. Um, our greatest needs at this point are socks, summer yes. or winter. Socks are always uh, uh, something to have for them. Right. Uh, and of course, gloves and toques and scarves. Um, mm -hmm. But then also just little things like feminine products. We hand out Absolutely. feminine products to the women. Uh, mm -hmm. and we also do uh, cleaning supplies like toothbrushes and things like that. So, I mean, we're open to little things like that. Um, we hand out cookies and things like that, but we have a budget for that. And we right. also have donations to the food bank that we're able to rely upon as well. Oh, that's excellent. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah uh, any gloves, toques, if you have them, bring them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like its own community collaboration right there, right? Just working with different organizations, even the food bank, to help you make sure that those basic needs for individuals that are on the streets are actually being met, being met. right? So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a team effort. It's a yes. team effort. Yeah. And it's a community effort. It's a community really? effort. Really? Yes. Yep. Okay, so if you wouldn't mind, tell yes. us a little bit about yourself. I know off camera we were talking a little bit about your past and some of these right. different... And I thought, this would be fantastic to, to speak to. And if you're comfortable... Please, uh, uh, sure. a background and, and okay. how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Well, I guess my story would start where everybody's story begins, and that would be the day we were born. <laughs> yeah. Um, the day I was born, um, apparently, as I found out later in life, um, I was born to alcoholic parents. Um, my mother was uh, an alcoholic. And apparently she consumed alcohol uh, while my twin and I, I'm a twin, and, and so we were in the womb while she was consuming. Um, and so upon being born, we were given up to a white family um, here in Lethbridge, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I found out years later, it was also part of the 60s scoop program as well. Okay. So, so I think part there of were, that. Yeah, there, there were two reasons. One, because my parents were, were alcoholics. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the government saw an opportunity to come in to, uh, and intervene. Uh, and I think they were, were you know, their ultimate uh, gain was to save us. Their goal was to save us. Mm -hmm. um, but also the 60 Scoop program was, was running strong. And I believe that ended back in 1983. Absolutely. Right. right. And so it this, lasted a long time, it, right? It really did. Longer than it really should have. Right. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I was part of that program as well. Uh, I was placed in, in, in a white family. And I, I will mention that this was uh, a, a really good white family. They were, they were a great family, a hardworking, blue-collar family. We lived mm -hmm. over on the north side. And from there, um, we moved up to the Crowsness Pass. My dad was a, a heavy-duty mechanic, and uh, we always took holidays out west okay. into the Crowsness yes. Pass, uh, out into British Columbia, into Kelowna and whatnot. We did that okay. every summer. And my father's heart, I mean, we used to hunt all the time. And so his heart really was in the mountains. And so when he had right. the opportunity to relocate the family up into the mountains, he took it. Right. Uh, he got a job out at the uh, mines out in British Columbia as a, a mechanic out there. And so, yeah, we picked up from Lethbridge and we moved out to the Crowsness Pass. Okay. And uh, it was just wonderful. I mean, being a city boy, yeah, uh, going out in into the mountains, it yeah. was just like, wow. Uh, so did you work. like the mountains? I loved yeah. the mountains. That's where I, I mean, grew up yeah. in Sparwood, just close by okay, Crosnest right, Pass. Right, so. right. And yeah, yeah, we played a lot of Sparwood teams. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it was a wonderful time. And, and, and it was a very strong family at the time. Um, I loved it. And, mm -hmm. and they were very nurturing to us, uh, my twin and I growing up. Um, they saw some gifts and talents in myself. I was a budding archaeologist. Uh, mm -hmm. They could see that when I was about five or six years old. And so when we right. took our holidays out to uh, Dinosaur Park and whatnot out by Drumheller, right. um, I was in heaven, <laughs> uh, obviously. But they saw those talents. And, and, and so they were very nurturing to that end. Um, I was musically gifted and inclined, and so they, they poured a lot of, of money and energy into that as well. Um, I played hockey. I played a lot of sports growing up. Uh, we did a lot of camping trips and whatnot. So, I mean, to me, it was just an idyllic family. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, they never, ever made me feel worthless or, or yes. less than I am because of the color of my skin or, or where right. I came from. Um, and, and I fit very well. My twin and I fit so well in, in our community. We were known as the twins. My twin was always a clown and, and we got along in school. <laughs> yeah. greatly. We had a ton of friends. Yeah. Um, but eventually those, it all ended. It all ended. It, it, it came to an end. Um, mm -hmm. In the midst of all of that goodness, um, there was a family friend uh, of my father's and his son um, he was an abuser. He, he sexually abused children. And my twin and I were, were two of his victims. And so when we moved up to the Crow's Nest, um, it started here in Lethbridge. Um, their family lived close by to us. And so when we moved up to the Crow's Nest Pass, I thought we'd left that nightmare behind. Um, unbeknownst to me, um, that family also got uh, a job out at the mines as well. So they relocated up to the crow's nest. And so a few months later, they showed up. And so the abuse picked up and continued. Oh uh, and it also went just beyond our family and it went to others in the community as well. Um, and so that had a profound effect because it uh, that carried on into our young teens. Right. And um, as my twin and I found out, um, as we started discovering uh, our friends that were being abused, um, 
we formed our own little group uh, and we decided that we were going to inform the authorities, uh, tell our parents, go to our wow. teachers, all our victims, my twin and I. Yes, from one That's offender. in 70s, early in the, 80s in the probably, early right? 80s. Absolutely, it was in the early and 80s. And to come forward, that is amazing to, well, to, to have that group of... We um, took it upon ourselves because we had one of two options at the time. And I understand we were teens, we were children. And so it was. Mm -hmm. we, we decided that we were neither going to blackmail the guy mm -hmm. or we were going to expose absolutely. him. Right. And we thought, well, let's expose him because he was already being kind to us by buying us pops and candy and things like that. He was very kind. And so we thought, well, let's expose him. Let's put an end to all of it. And, and so we did just that. We took it upon ourselves. We went to our teachers. We went to the police. We went to anybody who would listen. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we thought that that would maybe bring things to an end, and it certainly didn't. Um, the Crow's Nest, uh, at that time, there were, were uh, a lot of people working in the mines. Um, and so when the exposure started to become public, um, I don't know how it worked, but it just, we, you had the police and everybody just yeah. sort of hush, hush. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's incredible. You hear so much of that back in, yep. in that 70s, 80s, where, where a movement wasn't strong enough to be able to, to understand these concerns that were coming forward. And they would just, as you said, would hush, hush it, brush it under the rug, and it's incredible that it would go on to, to multiple uh, individuals as well. Many teenagers, One many of your the, friends, well, right? I think, as I was explaining um, to you earlier, the Crow's Nest at that time was a union town. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so back in those days, the union had a lot of strength. Absolutely. They had a lot of power. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. I think they were able to manipulate politics to the highest level at that time because... Mm -hmm. It was the union that actually directed pretty much mm -hmm. the authorities at that time to just end it. There were right. under the table deals that were made um, that, that allowed this man to pretty much go scot-free. Um, when it went to courts, we were not allowed to testify. Uh, as, as children, as victims, we were not allowed to testify. And... This guy, I think he was he was let go and he was told to leave town and never come back. And yeah. so that's that that's what happened to him. And so we were left with the fallout. He destroyed mm -hmm. many lives in that whole that's town. Funny. I mean, they experienced the fallout of, of, of that. Um, but in the years in, since then, I've learned that the union really had a lot of influence. And, and I think had they not been there, things would have came out in our favor, the victim's favor. Um, but yeah, the union had a lot of pullback in those days, and, and it certainly reared its ugly head when, when it came to right, uh, right. when it came for us to seek justice. Yep. Uh, none of us received justice, um, and since then, you know, some of the kids that I used to play hockey with, uh, they killed themselves. Some of them ended up dying on the streets. Um, as a result, of as a result of as this. a result of the mm -hmm. abuse, um, but more so because there was no justice on on their behalf. Um, right. Their stories were never told. They had to live with the hurt. Um, at the time, we were not directed to, to um, I would consider, proper help. Mm -hmm. We were given up to see counselors um, that were, I think, unqualified uh, to deal with mm -hmm. sexually abused yep. children, right? I think they were more in tune to dealing with adults that were dealing with work-related issues and maybe family-related issues and whatnot. 
Um, they certainly had not dealt with any uh, sexual abuse victims and certainly not uh, teens full of angst and anger. Uh, so we were just left to the wolves, as it were. Absolutely, um, you were. Yeah. So, Vin, we talked about, we, you know, we, we talked about how we met, the work that you're doing downtown, yes. all of this, okay? Yes. So before we take a break, we want to just ask you to let anyone who may be in right now that is and has been a victim of sexual assault, what would you say to someone that's watching this podcast right now that may have struggled what you had to go through as a child, as a youth, what would you say to that person? Well, if you're a child or if you're a youth out there and you're in the midst of all this darkness that involves various types of abuses from adults, um, if you're in the system right now and you feel that you're being pulled from, from side to side by, by the system's mandates, group homes and whatnot, I think the greatest advice that I could probably give you would be to survive, live, don't give up, uh, don't die. Understand that, that as a child, um, you're rightfully in uh, the, the arms of, of, of the government and whatnot. They have an, uh, a duty and a requirement to see that you reach adulthood. Mm -hmm. um, they're not mandated as to how you get there. They're only there to make sure you get yes. there. Um, so my advice would be to just live, survive, um, bear patience, and uh, do what I did. I gleaned. I took every cent I could from the government. I took advantage of every program they ever had. Um, they do have a lot of different programs. Oh, they running, certainly right? do. Yeah, yes. we, we, we live in a very generous society. Canada right. is very generous. We're very rich. And mm -hmm. it really does show in, in the vastness of the system that we yes. do have. Absolutely. Um, as a child, I think if you're in the system, you, you don't see the whole picture. You may see group homes and you may see programs and whatnot, but it's all interconnected. You need to embrace those programs you that are really available do. out there. You really do. You. And by doing so, it's going to, uh, I think, help give you that objective to get you to the age of 18. And understand right. that, that you're not going to be a child forever. Absolutely. You're going to be an adult and you will be taking the roles that you see those adults around you yeah. uh, right. living right now. So yeah. my advice would just to be survive, yeah. live, so, do whatever it takes to live. So prior to, prior to the break, I just want to take just one minute to... So you talked about the concerns and about the abuse, et cetera, that happened. And now yes. we know that in time you became homeless and some of the concerns that you had. Yes. Could you take us from that time of, of that abuse is that was was a, a deciding factor to to bring you to to homelessness etc later Absolutely. in your life or Absolutely. so just a, a quick a minute if you want to take and just talk a little bit about well that. what the abuse did to me on a personal level is it just filled me with so much anger and so much hate uh and uh, you know as young adults i don't think uh if i was raised in a normal home i would have had to carry that burden yeah. Um, but we are burdened with just things as children we just do not understand fully, like hate, like anger, mm -hmm. to that degree. Uh, and that really showed to people around me. And they took that as a sign of rebellion rather than hurt, okay. right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so as a result of that, it, it, I didn't just become homeless for the sake of being homeless. I didn't become homeless because it, I just walked into it. I became homeless because the system let me down. The system at the age of 17 said, listen... Yep. We've had enough of you, you're on your own, we'll give you aftercare support and so forth, but you're on your own. So the system was the one who kind of bum-rushed me out the door and I was on the streets, uh, street kid at the age of 17 um, because of them, because I was in Absolutely. their system and that's where they left me. And so I had to take that responsibility of, of being on the streets 
Mm -hmm. uh, and, and learning how to survive away from that, that system that had taken care of me for so many years. We are seeing right now the influx of children who are transitioning out of care, yes. like yourself, who yes. have lived in the system their whole life, no support, okay? Mm -hmm. No no worker after the age of 18 or 24, right. depending on how long, you know, that particular organization takes right. them and keeps them for. But I guess it's, it's ultimately going back is that we are failing and we don't have enough effective programming for children who are aging out of the system. But we also need to focus on for, you talk so much about sexual assault is that we have resources even in Lethbridge, yes. okay? Mm -hmm. We have victim services through Lethbridge Police if you decide to go that route. Yes. But, mm -hmm. you know, you can call Darcy James at Victim Services and get set up, right? And, yes. you know, we have this Chinook Sexual Assault Center now up and running in Lethbridge, one of the first of its kind, actually. It's and amazing. Christine That's... Casey is an extraordinary advocate. Wow. And you can be under the age and still come forward and have a safe place. They and won't turn options, anyone away. Right. They won't. For sure. right. And your mm -hmm. options are made available to you, whether mm -hmm. you go through the justice system. I know I did, yes. right? I charged my offender. But for anyone who's struggling and going through sexual assault, you are not alone. Amen. And that mm -hmm. sexual assault yeah. does not define you. And there is support. And if you are here locally in Lethbridge, there is so much support. Absolutely. So why don't we take a break and then we'll yeah. come back and we will discuss a little bit Excellent. about a little bit more about who you are and you. everything about you, Ben. Thank you. This is Connecting Your Community with Blaine Higgin and Mallory Chris Jansen. We'll be right back after these messages. There's a new art shop in town. What? Watercolors, acrylics, pastels, brushes, oils, canvas, and paper. Oh, where? It's new. The art room at Smith's Audio on 13th Street North. For high performance sound. And super art supplies. At Smith's Audio on 13th Street North, we promise to only sell high-performance electronics. We promise to support mostly Canadian companies like Paradigm, Anthem, NAD, Bryston, and PSB. We keep promises. Smith's Audio, 13th Street North. Electronics simplified. Thank you. We also always want to thank our, our sponsors for, for uh, uh, what they do to help us continue doing what we're doing. So thank you very much to Smith's Audio and the Art Room. Yes, thank absolutely. You. So, so it's been, it's been quite a heavy podcast already, right? We've talked about sexual assault. We've talked about everything that you've gone through. And this is just like a part one of two, I believe, that we're going to yeah, have with absolutely. you. Yeah, <laughs> Of three, of four. Of, yeah, <laughs> who knows, right? right? Every time that we keep talking, there's so much more that you have survived in life. And we need to, we just need to be able to shed that awareness, right? So. Okay. Let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, when did you first become really entrenched in your addiction? What happened? Can you just give us a little summary of Absolutely, yeah. Um I think it's innocent enough my story in terms of how I slid into my addiction. Um growing up in the Crowsness Pass, um we were not as entertained as maybe our uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. city <laughs> brethren were. Um yeah. you know, uh, there are a lot of bush parties out out, out there in the mountains. And uh, yeah, when I was about 14, 15, we started hitting the bush parties yep. uh, mm -hmm. and it was just innocent. We'd go out and have, you know, crack a few beers, uh, sit around the bonfire, uh, mm -hmm. get loaded, sing songs, wrestle, uh, just, just things like that. Um, from that, it went into house parties, you know, it turned into going to house parties after that, then bush parties. Yeah. Uh, and it just seemed like it was just a party after one party after another. Uh, my whole life just became one big party and I didn't realize it at the time um, But I, I I was a drunk. I was drinking all the time 
Um, I also too, with uh, the anger that I was dealing with uh, through uh, being sexually abused, um, at that time it, uh, in my teens, I was also very reflective of the fact that, that I was living with a white family. And so I was dealing with, I think, feelings of abandonment, uh, the insecurities mm -hmm. that go along with that, not knowing where my roots are, uh, growing up in a white family, being Native, First Nation. So it was just a witch's brew of, of, of excuses to, to sort of get drunk. Um, later on, it just, I think when I want, I, I realized at some point that I needed to stop drinking and I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Um, I was looking for stupid excuses to, to keep on drinking. Um, I found myself working at a, a liquor store. Even. Oh, convenient. Right. Yes. And, <laughs> Look and, at all this alcohol. This is right. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and so I, I was stealing Mickey's and, and yeah. drinking on shift, yeah. uh, and, it, and, and it got so bad. And when you, when you're on the streets living with these addictions, uh, and, and you want success so bad, but it, it's just. It just seems so far out there in the galaxy, and and you have to look at the reasons why. Absolutely. Uh, and drinking was was one of the main factors for me. Uh, and so when I was in my early twenties, um, I think I started just to maybe mature. Uh, I'm not sure, but um, I realized at that time, in order to reach my goals, I would have to really cut some things in my life that were keeping me from that. And at the time, drinking was certainly the mm -hmm. the the main thing, and so. I went and, and I did my 28 days just outside of Lethbridge here. 28 okay. days for what? For just in case people may not understand the terminology. Yeah. When, when, if you're serious about not drinking and that, they, they've got all these various programs around the province. Um, and some of them, some of them are, I think, 28 days, two months, six months, depending on, on maybe the, the level of, of your addiction and whatnot. Um, but I think first and foremost, like they've, They've got like 28-day programs uh, through ADAC and whatnot. Right. And uh, I was encouraged to uh, check one of those. I had to check myself into one of these homes and uh, live there for 28 days yeah. and uh, work the program. And at the time, I wasn't, I wasn't gung-ho about it, but it, I also realized, too, that if I was going to stop drinking, this was maybe the approach mm -hmm. that would work for me. Right. Um, I had tried quitting on my own. I quit smoking on my own. I mean, that seemed easy enough. Uh, yeah. But drinking was just another thing entirely. And I realized that this demon was just far too big for me to take on myself. And so when this program was offered to me, I thought, okay, well, I will definitely check it out. Um, and I did. And it was the best decision I'd ever made. Um, it wasn't anything like I thought it would be. It was like going to summer camp. It really was. It was the just, 28 day treatment center. It, it was like really was. Camp. It was like summer camp. Uh, they get you right. up early in the morning, which which I wasn't used yes. to. You get to walk your mile every morning and get fresh air. Mm. Um, but the best part was that I was surrounded with like minded people. Um, and these, was it a, was it a cold turkey? It approach? was. It was a cold turkey approach. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, that must have been a struggle to to start. I mean, the 28 days. You know, probably by the end, it would have been that much easier. But right at the beginning, because you were you were quite far into that addiction, right? And uh, they the cold keep turkey. you busy. The second you walk through those that's doors, they okay. keep you busy and they keep you occupied. And that's one of the first lessons I've learned as an addict is 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 that when you're taking something away from yourself, you've got to fill that gap with, with something. something, right? 
Um, you're, you're, you're taking away one habit that has just dogged you and has proven itself dark and, and destructive. Mm -hmm. And so they're taking that away and they're, they're showing you all the ways that you can fill that with just positivity. Okay. And with just love and understanding. And there's a science behind addiction that, that they bring to light. And so if you're science minded or, or psychology minded and whatnot, mm -hmm. it, it's a really great place to really understand mm -hmm. yourself and the science behind addiction and how it affects our bodies and the history of alcohol and alcoholism and just all of that. So um, you, talk, you talk about this addiction and, and sorry to interrupt, but I've just, yes. I'm thinking back to when you mentioned that you were a twin. Yes, I am. So, yes. so through all of this time, through all of this time and, and your addiction, your twin is, and I know there's quite a tight bond between between uh twins yes, to a what was happening <laughs> to a yes. what was happening uh during your addiction time is that something uh you're okay to speak about yes i can yeah um yeah again it, it comes down to uh i think your personal uh personal decisions really i mean yeah my my twin and i were very tight mm -hmm. Um, we were inseparable. Um, mm -hmm. We were indistinguishable as children. Um, we used to uh, switch classes and, and, and oh, right, so identical twins, uh, identical, okay. right? And and so we would, you know, switch classes and see how long it would take for the teachers to to, to, know. to realize that <laughs> hey, you're you're not you're not that guy. You're his twin. You better get back. Yeah. Um, so we were like that. Um, when he broke a bone, I felt it. And, and that still continues to That's this That's incredible day. because I've, I've heard a lot about that. That, well, that yeah. does. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm science-minded. And so there's a science behind twins as well. And I've, I've been able to really delve into that, um, sometimes unwillingly, because again, if your twin breaks a bone and you feel it, I mean, that's yes. nothing that, that you, know, you ask for, but it happens, right? Yeah. Um, Let me ask you a question. Yes. Did your brother struggle with addiction like you did? Yes, he has. He has absolutely struggled with addiction. Uh, and he still continues to struggle with addiction to this day. Where is your brother? I believe at the moment he's at River House. River House, okay. right? Um, and if you explain you, a little bit about River just, House, yeah, just so. River House, no. Yeah, River House um, is a, I would like to say, group home. Um, I think they've got like a, it's a, a three stage living program. Uh, and I, to my understanding, it's a place uh, where alcoholics can book themselves into, and they will treat you with dignity and respect. You can carry uh, you can carry your addictions with you, uh, and if oh, you so, it's not a cold turkey. It's not a cold turkey. Absolutely not. Um, they will accommodate you in your addictions. Um, their aim is to see that if you're going to die, you will die with dignity. Absolutely. You'll die in a warm bed. Um, so but, different from the approach that you had. Absolutely, yeah. But, is, but to be fair, but to be fair, they, I, again, like I said, it's a three tier. So if you choose to want to quit, they will certainly accommodate absolutely. you and okay. they will help you to quit. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're like my twin but, and you don't want to quit, well, then they will certainly accommodate you to that end as well. And I think their philosophy is that rather him, you know, rather than him drink and die out there on the cold streets, mm -hmm. let's bring him. Uh, so that, that he has the comfort Roof over that, the head. Right. And, you know, so that he can die in dignity, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and know that he's surrounded by but people. But some have been there for years and years. So, so they continue this 
you know, this this support to die with dignity for yes. sometimes 15, 20, yes. 25 years. But yes. what I will say is that River House actually used to be called Broussard House. Mm-hmm. So it, it's somewhat of a fairly new initiative here in Lethbridge. It's, yes. it's been around for a few years. And right. actually, I have a tattoo because one of a really dear friend of mine actually was a resident there. Okay. And he, uh, he really touched my life. But anyway, what what for me it is, uh, you know, especially as a frontline worker, mm-hmm. people who stay in there is it's a place where a lot of the guys who are now there were living on our streets chronically. Yes. They faced extensive chronic homelessness and right. there were failing support services miserably for a lot of the guys who have transitioned in and out of River House because some have got sober in River House yes. and now are living on their own. Right. Some need River House because it's a 24-hour supportive house yes. where they have a managed alcohol program. However, if you are trying to wean off of, of alcohol or any type of substance, you know, mm-hmm. um, it takes a lot of courage to stay in a residence in a supportive living yes. because everyone around you is drinking, yes. right? But right. I can't say enough about River House solely for the fact that I've seen individuals who have had meaningful life and given that dignity that they deserved, especially yes. through their chronic addiction. No, no, right. and that's, that's we, we talk over the past about some of our differences. Yeah. I very, I have a very different opinion Absolutely. On, Riv- on River House, and that's a whole other yeah. topic. And because yeah. I, yeah. I do see the, the enabling side to it, and I don't, maybe enabling is the wrong way. If you're going in for, for, for help, as, as you had mentioned, Vin, yes. It will keep you comfortable in what you're doing. I, yeah. I struggle with that. I struggle with sometimes the, the um, cost yeah. that is, is involved yes. and how many more individuals could we help with that same funding source. But that's, that's a, that's a yeah, topic absolutely. completely in, its, in yeah. itself. But I do know that there's the help. And, and I, think it's, I think one key component to keep in mind here is that prior to my twin going to River House, mm-hmm. he was a throwaway. Right. Mm. He was a throwaway. I mean, society, mean society like just, just threw right. him away. You know, it was and I okay. don't believe it's their, their it, fault. It, it, it was, all, it tr- was okay yeah. for my twin to sleep behind churches and behind dumpsters in the dead of winter. Right. Okay. Society was okay with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Riverhouse, they're not. They're not okay with that. And so I'm sort mm-hmm. of divided. You're right. I mean, yeah. to some degree, they do enable uh, some of their people to continue uh, with that habit onto death, right? And I do mm-hmm. disagree with that component, that aspect of yeah. their program. Um, but they also took my twin off the streets uh, and are keeping him safely under their roof. And so he's no longer a throwaway. And they encourage him daily to Absolutely. see himself not as a piece of garbage, um, but as someone who deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think through their actions by 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 giving him a bed and by getting him up and, and encouraging him to say visit me mm-hmm. or go to the YMCA to go for a swim, to go for walks. Get so, some meaningful daily activity yeah, in there, right? But so, like, and good daily meaningful activity, mm-hmm. like not just being a taxi service driving right, people. Right. Oh hey, I'm gonna go take you to McDonald's and there's right. your day-to-day activity today, right? It's actually meaningful. Uh Vin, a question that I have is is uh um, as a counselor for the city, I've, I've, I know some of the things you do downtown, and I, I, I thank you for it, you and your, your team. Okay. Is there anything else that, that council could do to support what you're doing, or is there anything that you want to talk about as far as support from that side? Well, I'm, 
I'm unfamiliar with, with, I think, all that council is doing other than what I, I read in the papers and hear on the news. Uh, I also know, too, that it's not just the city's issue. It's also the province's issue. Absolutely. And as a province right now, we're, we're facing so many shortfalls and program cuts uh, that that is affecting, I think, the limit to what council can do. It, it took a community yeah. to get yes. me off the street. That's it right. took an entire community uh, to, to, to help and aid me get off the streets. And what I'm seeing right now is the community just backing off, mm -hmm. backing off. Um, I understand, too, that, that, you know, what we're going through as a city has just sort of hit us overnight. I mean, yeah. it just came it really out of nowhere. Did. It really it, did. It, it All did. of a sudden, boom, it here's did. a it, massive empire that's going to change it, it the community. It blindsided us. And, and, and I think, you know, that, that put us in an unfair position. Right. It, it, it blindsided it us. It does. It put us in an unfair position. But I, but I think when we, when we, when we talk about this, this uh, the concern we're going through now, and, and I mean, let's call call it what it is, is the huge addiction issue that we're having. Mm -hmm. And uh, honestly, out there, a lot of this online talk is because of, of, of needle debris and needle stuff happening throughout the community and stuff. And, and I think that that's probably a big part of it. There's a frustration because there's obviously, okay, we don't want needles to be passed out, out and about. We do believe in harm reduction, but to go out and then enable, enable, enable. You spoke a little bit too about some of the concerns of just enabling, 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 and actually getting some of the other services yes. that are important because to continue doing that is a concern in itself. And I think any of the emails and the, the calls that I get as a counselor is yes. the concerns of enabling and keeping this going forward rather than helping that person right. and helping these people out there. And you've spoke a little bit to, uh, to me about that and how important it is to the other services. Yes. And but it's also important to look at the effectiveness of services, right? Because we have a correct. lot of organizations that we know are in the community right now. And it's not just one particular organization. There are many that we need to start actually critically evaluating what are the supports that are being provided? Are they actually reintegrating individuals? Are they actually providing right. preventative and intervention programming to help make individuals feel like they are deserving of being contributing members of society, right? Yes, yes. Well, we spoke we about the Sage of, Clan before, right? Yes. And and this group that is is out helping and and mm -hmm. there was it 11, 12, 11, 11 people. 11 people they have helped yep. within with their support services, etc. You talk about yourself, uh, uh, Vin, downtown helping those and passing out with with the gloves and the socks yes. and and yes. and the necessities that these people need. These this is incredible and and I know we we spoke as well in the past about um, getting these people into the services. I mean, I, I don't know much much more to say than that is but, to to help them on that road to recovery. If I may, if of, I may yeah. interject, yeah, if I yeah may absolutely. Interject. We need yeah. to talk about effectiveness of programming right now. We really exactly. Do. Yeah. Well, there's another side to this story that I don't think that has been brought up at all. Okay. Um, and it's a little bit maybe controversial, but there's also an overpopulation issue that's going on just south of us on their reservation with the blood reservation. And we're getting a lot of overflow from that population as well. Okay. Um, and with that, they're bringing their habits. I, I, I know for a fact that uh, many of the pharmaceutical drugs and, and some of the drugs that are flooding our streets are coming directly across the borders Absolutely from the reservation, right? Just so, so, oh, in, in the US, the reservation from this blood reservation and also oh. my reservation, the Bikani reservation, because my reservation 
we've got the northern Picani, which is me, but then we've also got my southern brothers, which exist on the U.S. side. U.S. Right? side, right. So, and we're able to just flash That's our like in Browning. Cars. Right, exactly. right. And we're okay. able to just flash our status cards and we go across the borders. And, and we've got two types of security, two-level uh, two security cards. One which enables us to just literally just flash it and they'll let us go through without being searched or anything, right? Okay. So well, this is an interesting conversation. Exactly. But there's a lot of drugs coming in through that. And as well, you have to look at the reservation uh, program. I mean, that what is a 110, 120 year old failed government experiment, the reservation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Really, you have to look at it like that. It's mm -hmm. a failed experiment by the federal government that was designed to at first annihilate us. And when that couldn't mm -hmm. be done, it was to isolate us. Absolutely. Right. And when yeah. these reservations were first designed over a hundred years ago, they were isolated. They were, they were away from city centers and towns. In the 21st century, we now see our cities growing Absolutely. to include uh, these, these reservations now. Um, and with the population explosion going on with my people, which is a good thing, we're, we're, we're coming back in numbers. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, um, they're bringing they're, some of those concerns. Well, that... they're, 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 they're being born and raised under a system that just is not conducive to what we do out here in the real world, as I like to call it. Right. Right. Um, they're everything about, about them is just different than, than how we do things. And, and so they come to our city with these habits and ideas and and they're uneducated in 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 the ways of the white man as it were mm -hmm. uh uneducated in 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 how we carry our politics out here how we how our worth that work ethics are and just all of that right um mm -hmm. how to maintain apartments and just little things that that we that we get growing up they don't yep. necessarily not to the degree and standards to which we are used to or mm -hmm. that we have set for ourselves we really, really so need to. to we are struggling. You know, this we're struggling with yeah. that as well, right? I'm an example of assimilation. Okay, right. I was born and raised out here in the white community. Now, to have I lost my culture uh, to some degree? But no, no, I really haven't. Um, I do the powwow trails and whatnot. Oh, do you mm -hmm. dance? I don't dance. Yeah. I just like to follow them and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and show up. But, That's beautiful. Um, right. So yes. we, we've got two worlds colliding in the 21st yes. century. And, and, and I like to say that Lethbridge is just in the perfect storm because I mean, we've got pharmaceuticals and, and all these drugs hitting our city. But then we've also got this population yes. that has made Lethbridge the Mecca. Right. The Mecca. Not just for the drugs, but they come here not affording it. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they, so it's become a mecca for, for crime as well. Yes, I mean, we see absolutely. property crime and absolutely. home crime and personal crime just yes. spiking. Right. Um, because they cannot afford what their addictions desire and demand of them. And so they're having to go out and break into these homes out, out at the lake and, and out right. on the west side and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Right. So there, there, there's a third component to this that, that the sure. city, I don't think, has looked at um, to the depth where we can really, really get a handle on it. Um, we have to devise ways to somehow greet these people from the reservation, get them here, and for lack of a better word, to assimilate them, mm. right? And, and, and maybe for them to understand that assimilation is not the demon that the government has made it out to be or that the books have made it out to be. I'm a perfect example of assimilation. 
Um, I've worked and, and, and done everything in this white world and I get along just fine. Yes. Absolutely just mm -hmm. fine, right? Mm -hmm. right. Um, there's so many barriers that, that, that we've brought up. And I shouldn't even say we, the government, the government. I mean, it was a young government a hundred years ago and their mm -hmm. designs were different for my people. Um, all their little terminologies have stuck. We need to redefine what they've started. Okay, right. we're all victims of the government uh, to that degree. And, and, right. and we're paying for that today. It's not just my people that are paying for their decisions. We're all paying for it now. So just want to let you know, 2021, yes. we're going to have a new election coming up. And I'm going to strongly encourage you to run for mayor or run for council um, because we need change. We need people mm -hmm. like you on council specifically or even running as our mayor, right? Because we don't have, and sorry, I'm putting you right on the spot no, no. if you're not here. There's an... We need council who understands, who has, you know, even just that background. But we also need people who have just that frontline experience, which yes, you do. Yes. So in closing, we have to wrap this up. You know, we've talked about addiction. We've talked about siblings and addiction. We've talked about sexual assault. Yes. We've talked about so much stuff today. Mm -hmm. And what I want to close with, Blaine and I always do, is what is your solution? What is your solution to what's happening in Lethbridge right now? I don't know if there's any clear solution. Um, this is never going to end. We're always going to have homeless uh, people amongst us. Uh, with them being homeless, they're always going to turn to alcohol and drugs to console their situation and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, I think what we need is maybe a new direction mm. rather than a solution. I don't think there are solutions to this. I think we can just pick a, a new direction maybe to, to include more understanding, to maybe um really get the right information out there there's so much misinformation floating around out there right now and people are just mm -hmm. grabbing that misinformation and closing it bringing it close to them and, and spouting the same thing um and they really don't know what they're talking about so i think as agencies and whatnot i think it's our responsibility to really take a look at, at what we know because we are the experts and bring what we know say yep. to johnny q public yep. so that they maybe have a better understanding what what i see we're lacking as a city is courage right now yes. we're, we're lacking so much courage to really um to to, to really get involved right mm -hmm. uh it was a community that helped me off the streets it's going to be a community to help them off the streets and as a community we've just all pulled back yep. in fear and whatnot we need courage and so we need to maybe get information out there and and encourage likewise individuals like us to share what we've got Absolutely. to our neighbors mm -hmm and encourage them to maybe see things in a new light, and right? Think, and so that's what I mean by new direction, yes. is maybe looking at the old issues in a new light. Exactly, I, and I really believe, and, and you spoke a little before about leadership. Yes. It's gonna take a lot of leadership to, to get through some of these concerns that, that we have. And Absolutely. I know off camera we, we, we spoke about that and, and how important that is because someone needs to help these individuals Absolutely. out and it's just yeah. it's just a help effectively help effectively yeah. help them yeah. help them out right yep. yeah. and i think it's that leadership that's going to to be there to help them yeah. as they were for yourself yeah. with your program you attended and and i think that's so important yes. so we can go on this is this is part amazing this is part I one and it's going like to be a lot and so much and and vin i yeah. i from the bottom of my heart i want to thank you Thank you for coming and, and speaking on this podcast Thank you for your courage. You're welcome. and the courage and, You're welcome. and, and I, and I hope I didn't, uh, uh, in the questions 
make or, or make you feel that you had to say something? I, I hope that you were comfortable in, in what you discussed. I, everything and that I've said is said in absolute, complete sincerity. Because it will help people. Yes. people that that will help people by, by sharing uh, sharing your story and the, and the story of your family and even some of your friends in the past. Like this is, this is unbelievable. It's so, we started off this podcast not, I didn't realize that some of this this abuse would be part of this. And I'm so glad that it went this direction and that you were comfortable to speak that way because this is going to help a lot of people. And so I thank you and- well, and thank you guys for giving me the opportunity <laughs> to, to be here. So thank we you. We didn't even talk about your expertise in the field of FASD justice. So for me, and you know what? podcast, how about we wrap that up and let's uh, share with it that we have an individual who has been diagnosed with FASD. Yeah. That is giving back to the community and I don't think there's anything greater than that. So, so thank you. Thank You're you very welcome. much. You're welcome. You've been listening to Connecting Your Community with Blaine Higgin and Mallory Chris Jansen. Join us next time as we continue to discuss community topics and how all of us together can make a difference. Remember, there is no community without unity.